Good morning, and welcome to Lincoln Square Presbyterian Church. We gather here this morning in God's presence at 9 a.m., so I'm good to see you all here. We can gather, and good to welcome those who are joining us online as well. Um, yeah, it's good to see your faces and to gather in God's presence. Just as we begin, I want a, a few announcements, just a couple notes, uh, especially because some, some things are changing today as far as uh, how we're doing the service and a few other things. So the first thing is that um, on the inside cover, you'll still see the uh, list of children's classes that are being offered. And so uh, one of the changes, though, is that for nursery and for preschool class, um, the children can go down right away. They can go there straight um, before the service. So if there's any preschool kids in the, in the service now and they want to go down to the class, they can go now and head down there. Uh, those who are in the children's worship class, which is kindergarten, uh, and above in the junior high class, they'll be dismissed for their class in about, you know, in a, in a few minutes after we sing and have the prayer of invocation. So just um, a note there. Also, the students that are, the kids that are part of the children's worship class, that, that's K through four, they'll come back uh, to witness the sacrament of communion today. So got all that. <laughs> a couple other things to mention is that um, we have Holy Week services coming up. So there is Monday, Thursday at seven o'clock. Uh, here, and Good Friday at 6 o'clock, uh, also here in this building, there'll be child care offered for Good Friday at the 6 o'clock service. Uh, again, Easter is the 17th, th so those services are on the 14th and 15th of April. Uh, one other thing to mention is that uh, another thing that's different today is that we're going to have a time of coffee after the service, fellowship time, but we are going to invite you to, to walk around the corner to the playground of McPherson School. And we'll set up a table there for coffee and some snacks, and there'll be space there that kids can run around uh, as we spend time together. So there's a little map in there in your order if you want to find that, but it's, it's real close by. Well, God has called us to gather in his presence to come and to remember who God is and to respond in worship. So let's take a moment of quiet as we prepare to do that. Good morning. Will you stand with us and we'll sing our call to worship from Psalm 126. restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them.
Almighty God, we come and worship this morning knowing that in Christ we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to, to his lavish riches of his grace. Lord, in this Lent season, we are reminded of that short journey, that, that quick period of time that sometimes seems like the long path to resurrection. Father, that path, the one of honesty and vulnerability, one of hope and expectation, one of rebellion and betrayal, one of repentance and transformation, that often challenging and faith-testing path that leads us towards you to dependence and to confession and prayer and to communion. And Lord, uh, make us aware of your presence and lead us into this resurrection life. Meet us in whatever ways we find ourselves along this path this morning. Lord, meet those of us who may be wrestling with questions of faith. Meet those of us who are troubled with grief and sadness. And meet those of us who endure the ways our relationships are shaken in need of reconciliation. Meet those of us experiencing even fatigue who are holding the impact of a world that has been shaped by a virus. Father, meet us in these really hard places with your strength, with your love and tenderness, with your words of invitation, calling us home to find our rest in you. Lord, lead us by your word and sacrament to the word who bears our flesh and change us and make us more and more in the image of your son. We pray this in his name. Amen. Well, children are now dismissed for children's worship. Melinda is here in the back to, to greet and to take them down. And also, there is a junior high class as well meeting. Well, we turn now to our time of confession and uh, assurance, a time to come humbly before God, to acknowledge with him our sin and our need of him. And so we'll do this together as, as a church family and then have a time of personal, quiet confession. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Give us rest from our sin and our anxiety and help us to confess our need to you, gracious Father. Mm -hmm. 
please take a moment of personal quiet confession. Gracious God, we are thankful that you came to us in our weakness, in our greatest need of rescue. While we were still sinners, you descended into the depths of our sin and death to be in our place and to raise us to new life. And we give thanks in the name of Christ. Amen. Well, let's stand together to hear the words of assurance that come to us from Psalm 46. Let's join together. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Well, as we've been welcomed into God's family, let us also welcome each other in the name of Christ. The Old Testament reading is from Isaiah 43, 16 through 21. Thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, who brings forth chariot and horse, army and warrior. They lay down and cannot rise. They are extinguished, quenched like a wick. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. 
Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The wild beasts will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, for I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, to give drink to my chosen people, the people who I, am, who I formed for myself, that they may declare my praise. And the gospel lesson is from John 12, 1 through 8. Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. Mary, therefore, took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of the disciples, he who was about to betray him, said, Why was this ointment not, given for three, not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charged the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Jesus said, leave her alone, so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. It's good to be here and a chance to look at uh, God's Word together. Thanks, Nicole, for reading the scriptures. Uh, this Sunday is the last Sunday that we're going to look at Ephesians 4, the sermon series that we've been doing during the season of Lent. And the next couple Sundays, we'll be looking at Palm Sunday and Jesus' entry into Jerusalem, and then Easter Sunday. Uh, so we're going to look at the very end of chapter 4 and beginning of chapter 5 today in Ephesians. Uh, but we can start again with some of these names that we have been mentioning about names that God gives to his people. Strangers, wanderers, exiles and aliens, sojourners and travelers. These names that God gives to his people tell us the truth and remind us that we have not arrived, but that we find ourselves on the way, in between, but not yet home. And one aspect of this journey that we've been looking at is from Ephesians 4 is it calls us to put off our old self and to put on a new self. Now, as we think about traveling, think about being on the way, part of being a traveler is to ask questions, to seek direction. Now, in the past, maybe some of you here who are old enough to remember have stopped at a gas station, you know, last resort to ask for directions or you pulled out you know, an old folded, folded paper road map to figure out where you are. Today, when we're seeking direction, we usually talk to our phones, you know, consult our GPS or ask Siri for some help. But part of being on the way is to have questions, is to seek direction. You can think about questions like, who, who am I? How are you and I to live? Why even bother? Why care? Why keep going when we encounter difficulty or resistance? Where are we actually headed? What are we trying to get to? Or what does putting on the new self even look like? And as followers of Jesus, each one of us, we bring different questions. But as followers of Jesus, we share the conviction that the answers rest in Jesus. They start with him. And so if we want to answer these questions, explore them, practice them, we must begin with God's character and actions revealed in Christ. And I share that as a way to help us enter into our passage because as our passage, there'll be two examples of this ordering, this two, two examples of seeing that our questions and the answers begin with what God has done in Christ. In a moment, we'll read, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. 
We'll also read, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. Do you hear that? Do you see? As God has acted, that's where we begin. The questions that we have, the answers that we long for begin in seeing how God has acted and his character revealed in the person of Christ. So let's look at our passage. I'm going to read Ephesians 4, 17 through 24, and then 4, 9, 4, 29 through 5, 2. The first part will just give us some context, but we'll focus on the second part. You can see it in your order, or you can follow along in your Bible. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self which belongs to your former manner of life and it's corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. This is God's word given for our good. Well, as we look at our passage, this focus on the second part. There's two parts to the sermon. First, we're going to reflect on God's actions for us in Christ. And then the second part of the sermon is that we will consider how we may respond, how we respond to what God has done. So let's first start with God's actions. These ones that I mentioned just a moment ago, Forgive one another as God in Christ forgave you. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. Julio Martinez is a poet in his poem, The Dark Inside of You, has opening lines in which he invites us to see the world all around us to the horizons, to see all that's happening around and in us. And then Martinez adds this line, you always come back to the same thing. You always come back to the same thing. Suggesting that while there is this whole world around us, we come back to our struggles, come back to our worries and our fears. We come back to our shame. And then Martinez adds in his poem, But, if you didn't notice, there is the cross. There is the cross that includes everything, as it excludes nothing. It leaves you the horizon, and it does not close off the dark inside of you. The cross excludes nothing. Extending to the horizon, and it does not close off the dark in us. In our struggles, in our fears, in our shame, in the darkness, that place that we come back to again and again. Do you see the cross, he's asking? For it's in that very place that the cross proclaims to you and me that God has forgiven you. That in Christ, we're not treated the way that we deserve. 
the wonder upon wonder of what the cross proclaims, even into the darkest of places, is that Jesus sees our lies. Jesus sees our stealing. He sees our sexual immorality and our unfaithfulness. But he does not dismiss us. Rather, he draws near and gives himself up for us on the cross, bearing it all. You see, the thing that we're invited to or consider as we hear, as God has done in Christ, is that the cross does not close ourselves off from the darkest places, but that's the very place, the very place in which we find its hope and joy. Jesus taking our worst words, our most selfish actions, our shameful cowardliness, our brokenness, God has forgiven you. Or to say it in a positive direction, in Christ we are sealed in the Holy Spirit. You see in our passage how Paul mentions that. Sealed here is like an official mark on your driver's license or on some document that is official saying that this is real. It belongs to a certain person or a certain place or allows certain things to happen. Along with being forgiven, Paul writes and says that you in Christ are sealed in the Spirit, not only forgiven, but united to Christ. And in this union with Christ, it leads us to a title, beloved child of God. Not just a child, but beloved, dear, with much affection, treasured by God. You see, if we begin to think about our travels and our questions and trying to know what direction we are headed, we're invited over and over again to remember where we are rooted. That in the gospel, we who were far off, we who were on our own, are now in Christ, forgiven of our sins and adopted as children. In Christ, we are welcomed into the family, declared fully accepted, a full member, all based on God's love for you and me. But traveling, traveling doesn't always only mean asking for directions. Often when we travel, we carry all sorts of baggage, right? There's a loaded image right there, all sorts of baggage. And maybe in your own hearts and minds, part of what that baggage is, is things saying to yourself, a guilty heart and a troubled mind, they follow me wherever I go. Or this, this conclusion that I'm alone. I'm alone and no one really sees me. Or that I'm ashamed of what's behind me and I'm terrified of what is ahead. And it's in those times of of heavy baggage that our passage invites us to start again, not with ourselves. The order is not starting with ourselves, but remembering and starting with the sheltering love of God in Christ. For in that shelter of forgiveness and being declared a beloved child, we're invited, we're invited to ask our questions And we're invited to even look at ourselves, to consider what answers we are currently holding, to consider our behaviors or our speech or our relationships, but to do so in the shelter of God's care for us. So our passage, first and foremost, as we think about traveling, we to start with God, as God has done in Christ. But the second thing I want us to see and to hold is that we're invited to consider how we might respond That if God has given us this gift in Christ and this shelter, then we can ask, how is it that I am to live or who am I? In our passage, to think about that part of response, our passage throughout Ephesians 4 has been using this image of new clothing. You've been given new clothes to wear. Now, as I was thinking about this gift of God, I couldn't help but think of my son, Owen, who, and maybe you guys have the similar experience that when seeing a gift, maybe on a birthday or a special occasion or Christmas, a gift that looks like it might be a box of clothing is concerning, right? You know, that might not be what I want. 
I usually try to encourage them, hey, it might be a soccer jersey in there. You never know. So we might not really want some clothes at times, but this is different. <laughs> this is a different type of gift. These clothes are not disappointing. Christ is given. And we are invited to receive the gift. And to picture those clothes that we open up to, to receive it, to hold them up, to try them on, take off what we're wearing and put on these new clothes. And it's within that image that we can then ask as we look at this passage, so, so what do these clothes look like? What are some of the attributes or some of the details of this new clothing that's been given to you and me? And we see one of the key features concerns how you and I speak. May our talk give grace to others. Therefore, let us put away foolish speech, put away wrath and malice and anger and slander, put away clamor, or shouting. As we hear that direction, it's worth us acknowledging that we live in an angry time, a time of outrage. The novelist Patricia Lockwood commenting on what she called the internet culture of our day. In her writings, she says, every day our attention must turn like the shine on a school of fish, all as one toward a new person to hate. A new person to hate. Sometimes the subject is a war criminal, but other times it's someone who made the terrible decision to substitute the wrong ingredient in the guacamole. Maybe you've seen such. A new person to hate. But you and I know that that anger is not just for those who are out there, but can also be turned at times to those who are close to us, for those who we know and hold dear. And we live in a time where it might feel natural or even normal to curse at another to call another person names or to scream or belittle. Yet we're told when we put on Christ, we are to put away such things. A number of times in this chapter, Paul writes about anger. And it's helpful to remember that anger is a natural part of being a human being, especially in a broken and fallen world but that he also adds, in your anger, do not sin. In your anger, do not sin. The anger can be like a doorway. And then if we're not careful, it leads to screaming and venom and hate, shocking words, false statements, and crushing another one with your words. One church father, when commenting on these verses, writes, do not extinguish the light which has been lit in you or in your brothers and sisters. So putting on these clothes means to consider how we speak and whether we can offer grace to each other by what we say or do not say. But the clothing of Christ also concerns what we might say positive marks, things that move us to new ways of being. And the summary here is to be kind, tender-hearted, and forgiving. And we're invited to think about the significance of forgiveness. I recently saw a, an article, the title said, everyone wants forgiveness, but no one's being forgiven. It's possible that we can think of forgiveness as like a luxury, something that we can only have at the best of times or the best candidates. But rather what Paul's inviting us to see here is that forgiveness is actually the beating heart of the Christian community. It's where you and I begin. Christ has seen all of who you are, all of the depths of who we are, even the darkest places, but yet has forgiven us, and it is like a cool drink in a dry and weary land. You see, forgiveness is not about settling a score. Of course, forgiveness includes acknowledging fault or admitting damage, expressing remorse and asking for forgiveness and when appropriate, offering compensation. It's a serious thing. 
but we need to remember that the heart of forgiveness is grace and kindness, treating another person not based on his or her performance or behavior, but offering an undeserved gift. And I don't know about you, but the highlighting of being kind to one another is interesting to me. For in our time, in our culture, it could seem small or naive to hold up kindness. But it's offered here as part, a central part of the new clothes that we're invited to put on in Christ. One author writes, kindness is a virtue not often considered, but it remains central to what Christianity is all about. Kindness is a virtue central to what Christianity is all about. We can ask why. And I want to suggest to you that the reason why is because kindness is an expression of the character of God revealed in the person of Christ. We can think of many examples in the world, past and present, of gods or leaders or heroes that are held up who are not kind, who can't be counted on to speak what is true, who cruelly cut down others, or speak with malice and bitterness. And at times we might be tempted to think of God in this same way. But as we think about our current actions or who God's inviting us to be, let us remember that Jesus has revealed God truthfully and that in Jesus we see who God is and what God is like and that we gather here today to confess and remember that Christ, the Son of God, loved us and gave himself up for us that we might be called sons and daughters of the Most High. Therefore, let us be imitators of God. Therefore, let us be imitators of God with kindness and tenderheartedness and forgiveness. I want to close just as a reminder of this imitation that this is part of the theme of the New Testament. Paul says that we should be like Christ and goes on to tell us that we should consider the interests of others more than ourselves. Where Jesus himself, when teaching, said, if you show love to your enemies and do good to them, then you will show yourselves to be children of the Most High. For God is kind to the ungrateful and the selfish. Therefore, be merciful as your Father in heaven is merciful. Let us put on kindness, tenderheartedness, and forgiveness and love. Why? Because these directions don't just get us to where we want to be, because they are the very essence of who our God is and how God has revealed himself in the life and work of Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word, and we pray, Lord, that we would find rest in your work for us in Christ and in that shelter that we would learn to walk in new ways by your spirit. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand with us and we'll sing together.
You may be seated. We're having heard God's word, we're now invited to the table that God sets for his people. Today is going to be a little different because we're going to um, invite you all forward to take communion, to receive the elements, and, and we can take them together. Um, so we're going to take a moment. I'm going to invite us to, this, to the table that Christ sets for us, and then give us a little bit of instruction. <laughs> it won't be like this every Sunday, but um, we have the privilege of participating in the sacrament of communion, this gift that Christ has given to us. And I want us, in a really direct and straightforward way, to be reminded that this that we can see and hold and taste, it proclaims the gospel. It's something that we can hold and see and taste that tells us again about God's actions for us, the one who in Christ has forgiven us, the one who in Christ has made us his beloved children. And so as we come, we come not focused on all the things that we've done or why we should have a place at the table. We come first and foremost remembering what God has done for us in Christ. And it's in this table then of grace, this sheltering love, that we're invited to be honest, to come to God about our anger, our slander, our yelling, to come to God asking that he would help us to be tenderhearted and forgiving. So let us come in faith and repentance and let us come having exam examining ourselves that we can bring our sins to God that we may know his grace. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this table and we pray, Lord, that you would meet us here by your spirit. We thank you that you are present and we ask that you would nourish us and strengthen us, that we'd find rest in you and, and be able to walk in new ways as your sons and daughters. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, on the night that he was betrayed, after giving thanks, Jesus took the bread and broke it, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Whenever we drink it, do so in remembrance of me. Whenever we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. So, for all of you who are followers of Christ and can participate in the sacrament of communion, I invite you to come forward. We're going to come down to two center aisles. Uh, there'll be two servers at each uh, place. As so you come down the center aisles, and you can go back on the sides. There are uh, a number of, <laughs> of choices here in the cups. There, there'll be juice and wine. The juice is the is the lighter white juice. And on the bread trays, there will be the loaf of bread that you can tear off a piece. Uh, but if you feel more comfortable, there's also individual wafers or even the plastic containers that you can grab as well. If you're not uh, going to take communion today, I still invite you to come forward and, and receive a blessing. You can just put your arm across your chest and Pastor Brian or myself will offer a blessing for you here at the front. That's for all who are here, including children, if they want to come forward and receive a prayer. I invite those who are serving to come forward at this time.
Christ's body was broken to make us whole. Let us eat in faith. When Christ's blood was shed to cover all of our sins, let us drink in faith. Well, in response to this table of grace, I invite you to stand with me if you're able. We can pray together and sing. Lord Jesus Christ, you have promised rest to all those who trust in you. By your spirit, soften our hearts that we may hear your voice. Turn to you with all our worries and worship you alone as we proclaim the mystery of faith. join together in the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, during this time, we're going to have an opportunity to respond to God's generosity to us by giving to the work of the church. Uh, Munch and Sarah are going to come forward and uh, pass the offering plates. And so I invite you to, as you receive those, you can just um, pass them back behind you uh, through the, the pews behind you. Um, you can give to the plate. Oh, go ahead, yeah. You can give to the plate or you can uh, also give to the church through the church's website. Uh, it's easy to do that. I also just want to take a moment to share a couple of quick reminders, as I did in the beginning. Uh, one, just to remind you again that our, we have a time of coffee and fellowship uh, after the service. We're going to do it slightly differently today. Um, instead of being by the parking lot, we're going to go around the corner of our Winchester uh, to the McPherson School Playground. It'll be a much easier place to gather, and kids can run around. There's a little map, you know, down here in the back in case, you know, it's challenging. I looked it up on Google. It's 800 feet, so it's not that far. Um, yeah, just, you know, want to make sure, right? Um, also, you know, if you are visiting or, or, or new to the church, we're, we're really glad that you're here. Um, there's these connect cards that are on the welcome table on the way in. I invite you to fill that out. You can share your contact information so that I can touch base and, and, and see if you have any questions about the church. Invite, let's stand together and sing uh, the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above the heavenly hosts. Praise Father, so 
one last note before the benediction. I forgot to mention that uh, for all the preschool and children, children's worship families, um, there are, is a gift in the entryway from the to church to, for you. Uh, sorry, there's a book that's gift-wrapped. So I invite all the, the preschool families and um, all the children's worship families to pack, pick one of those up on the way out. Um, please help yourself. Now receive God's blessing. May the love of God the Father, the grace of our Savior Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and always. Amen. You may go in peace. Mm-hmm.